Life's complicated and overwhelming enough, especially for those of us in mission-driven work. Let's make your journey to health as simple and sustainable as possible. I'm Lisa Baker, and I want to welcome you to the Simply Health Coaching Podcast, where it's the food and it's more than the food. On this podcast, we'll talk about the food you put in your mouth and everything else that nourishes you or doesn't, with special attention paid to the problems and opportunities facing women over 40 burning out in mission-driven work. My vision is a world in which we can all be well while doing good, and my mission is to give you the simple resources and practices and some helpful connections to get there. Let's get started. This week's episode is brought to you by my Flip Your Kitchen sessions. In these monthly sessions, we spend two hours on the first Sunday of each month learning some kitchen, nutrition, meal planning, and cooking basics. You can get the recipes approximately two weeks in advance, so you can do your shopping and cook along with me if you'd like. We usually end up with two to three dishes you can use during the week, and you'll learn a lot about how to meal plan and prep on your own. If you're an employer looking for add-ons for your wellness programs, make sure to send me an email and let me know you'd like to get your employees access. We'll set up a time to discuss what your options are. If you're an individual looking for virtual workshops on holistic wellness topics, you can register on Eventbrite or purchase the replays in the shop at simplyhealthcoaching.com. By the way, for the month of March 2023, National Nutrition Month, you can get 25% off when you use the coupon MAR23 on any Flip Your Kitchen replay. Sorry, midweek wellness workshops are not included in this special. And as usual, all the links are in the show notes. Help, I've been put on a restricted diet. What do I eat? As I've mentioned before, my work in nutrition services at the local medical center provides plenty of food for thought. And yes, if you caught it, that food, that pun was intended. Uh, a huge topic of conversation with patients is what to do at home once you've been put on a restricted diet. March is National Nutrition Month, so our Back to Basics theme continues with a deeper dive into secondary foods nutrition, the value of the whole foods that you put in your mouth. If you want to catch up on this series, you can uh, find the links to the previous episodes in the show notes. These episodes cover information that we can all benefit from. And they don't really address what to eat when you've been told that you have to monitor certain nutrients more carefully than other people might, or more carefully than you used to. And of course, patients in the hospital are visited by a registered dietitian who attempts to explain why this is happening, why they've been put on a restricted diet, and outlines the food plan going forward. Some of the food plans are temporary and some of them are potentially for the rest of your life. <laughs> um, and even though they've been visited by dietitians and had some things explained to them, a lot of patients have questions when they call the center where I work, which is where we place their meal orders. And 
it made me realize that a lot of people are going into the hospital, getting assigned a restricted diet, and then going home without a whole lot of support. Uh, so first of all, what's a restricted diet? In this episode, I'm not talking about what many of us think of as a restricted diet, one that limits calorie intake because we want to lose weight. A diet restricted for medical purposes usually falls into one of the following categories, and this isn't a complete list. I'm just focusing on the most common ones. First of all, heart healthy. This is for patients who have had a cardiac episode or are sort of hurtling towards one. Uh, consistent carb diet is for patients who struggle with high blood sugar uh, and diabetes or just wildly fluctuating blood sugar. A renal diet is assigned to patients who have kidney disease or failure. A clear liquid diet is the first stage for patients who are transitioning from what's called NPO, which means no food by mouth. And that usually happens in preparation for surgery or some other procedures. And um, the full liquid diet is the next stage between clear liquids and a soft diet. It's sort of one step closer to eating real food than a clear liquid diet. And a mechanical or surgical soft diet is for patients who can't chew or swallow harder foods due to surgery or poor dentition or injury or they might be moving back towards solids after a procedure. So those three are sort of related for some patients, clear liquid, full liquid, and mechanical surgical soft. Finally, there's a, a group of diets called dysphagia diets. And these are for patients who might accidentally inhale food into their lungs instead of swallowing, swallowing it. And this is usually some kind of a functional issue um, or it's a mechanical issue or some sort of physical problem that um, they cannot swallow properly. Renal diets and dysphagia diets are very difficult to figure out at home and they really require very close monitoring by speech and language pathologists for dysphagia diets and RDs for both of them. For the, for the, clear and liquid the full blah, 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 for the clear and full liquid and soft diets if you've ever had a colonoscopy you've probably been through that really nasty prep process which is a gradual reduction from real food to soft food to full liquids to clear liquids to that really hellishly nasty prep fluid i find it really interesting that i don't recall being told on the other side of the experience to work my way back up in the other direction, meaning start with clear liquids, then go to full liquids, then to soft food, then to real food. And that might just be a bad memory, but I really don't recall anyone telling me that. Uh, but I knew enough about nutrition not to have this colonoscopy, have a completely empty system and suddenly go eat a burger and fries right afterwards. Um, nor did they really sound that appealing <laughs> at that point. And I've heard a lot of people say they went right back to eating solids after a colonoscopy and really regretted it. So if you're having some a kind of a procedure that requires you to sort of whittle down your diet, uh, I highly recommend that you sort of grow it back up from clear liquids to quote unquote real food afterwards. Um, and usually if you're in the hospital for a procedure, they will tell you that. 
um, they will not let you automatically uh, order solid food until they know that everything is working properly. You've had some clear liquids, your system is moving. So the most common restricted diets are the first two in this list that I gave, the heart healthy and the consistent carb. And they're also the diets that we really hope patients will stick to once they leave the medical center. And yeah, it's pretty clear that a lot of them plan to go right back to their poor food choices the minute they're sprung. But let's talk about how you can stick to a heart healthy diet or a consistent carb diet at home. Because surely if you're listening to this, you will probably be trying to do that rather than go back to your old ways. So first of all, heart healthy. This diet normally restricts three nutrients, fat, saturated fat, and sodium, because these are generally thought to be the nutrients that most affect our cardiac health. Now, there is some evidence that sugar, especially refined added sugars, might be just as much, if not more, of a culprit in cardiac health. There's more and more evidence about that. However, I haven't seen any restrictions come through for RDs regarding this yet. Uh, we're kind of letting the medical field catch up to that idea. <laughs> Today, we're gonna focus on what your MD or RD are most likely asking of you. And it wouldn't hurt to start limiting your added refined sugar intake. I know, it's like more bad news. So I encourage you to start with a really small step because every step in the right direction makes a difference. So if monitoring your fat is the one thing you can really focus on, do that. If lowering your sodium intake is something you can think about now, do that. Um, and then finally, after those are, are more or less managed, try reducing your sugar intake. So the standard recommendations for limiting fat saturated fat and sodium are these. Keep your dietary fat intake to less than 30% of your total calories. Ironically, this doesn't always limit the number of calories you're taking, does it? Uh, limiting your saturated fat to less than 7% of total calories, which is kind of funny, sort of the same irony. We really don't tell you how many calories to eat a day. We're just saying limit your calories to less than 7% of your total. Staying below 2,400 milligrams of sodium per day. Now, the American Heart Association puts the ideal at 1,500 milligrams per day for adults. And oh, we do love our salt. So these are the basic suggestions. Keep your fat below 30% of your total calories. Limit your saturated fat to less than 7% of your total calories and stay below 2,400 milligrams of sodium per day. If you really wanna have a heart attack, sorry, joke. <laughs> uh, if you really wanna be shocked, uh, the computer system that I work on basically sets the nutrient limits at 9,999 for just about all of the nutrients. I actually have patients who go over that sodium limit for the day. That's crazy. <laughs> um, and they don't think anything of it. Uh, these are the people who are not on restrictions. So basically we can override it and say, okay, they can have that salt, but it always 
it always makes me worry that I'm allowed to kill somebody with food like that. <laughs> um, anyway, that was a total aside. Uh, the suggestions that I've given here are slightly lower than what is recommended for a non-restricted diet. So remember, we are talking about limiting these nutrients, fat, saturated fat, and sodium, making them less than what the sort of standard is uh, for the American diet. And I'm not going to talk in this episode about the standard American diet because there are a lot of problems we could talk about, but this is not the episode for that. So if you remember from our previous episodes in this series, um, high fat foods are animal proteins, dairy, nuts and seeds, avocados, and coconuts. Foods really high in saturated fats are animal in origin for the most part. Red meat and animal products with the skin on are the highest in saturated fat. Uh, tropical plants such as palm oil and coconut also contain saturated fats. So, you know, eat more plants and the tropical ones in moderation. Sodium is found in small amounts in most whole foods and is really abundant in salt. Now, if this all sounds complicated, it doesn't really have to be. If you've done my Label Reading 101 workshop, you might call, recall my, my fat check trick for processed foods. So if you have a processed food and you look at the Nutrition Facts label, divide the total calories from fat by the total number of calories per serving. Now, you might have to multiply grams of fat by nine to get that first number. So if, if the fat is given in grams, you have to multiply the fat grams by nine to get calories from fat and then divide that by the number of calories per serving. And yes, I'm assuming you are eating just one serving. This number, the result of this division problem should be less than 30%. For those not on a restricted diet, this figure is usually 33%. So you want your fat calories to be about a third of your total calories. And if you're on a restricted diet, that number drops to 30%. Next, divide the total calories from saturated fat by the total number of calories per serving you might again have to multiply the grams of saturated fat by nine to get that number. Again, I'm assuming you're eating just one serving of this food. And this number should be less than 7%. If you're not on this heart healthy restricted diet, this figure is usually closer to 10%. So you can see we're dropping from 33% to 30% on um, fat calories and from 10% to 7% for saturated fat calories. Next, sodium. If you are eating a processed food, you can look at the nutrition facts label and add up all the milligrams of sodium on all the servings of food you eat that day. And I'll give you a major hint. Processed foods have tons of sodium. That's why I highly recommend cooking whole foods from scratch at home. You'll know exactly how much salt you've added. Now, 
don't forget, most whole foods, whether animal, vegetable, or mineral, already have some sodium in them, inherent in them. But the only thing you can really track, unless you want to go looking up all these food items, is how many teaspoons of salt you're adding, either in the kitchen or at the table. So one teaspoon of table salt has about 2,325 milligrams of sodium, almost as much as a restricted diet and way more than the American Heart Association ideal. So do you see where I'm going with this? <laughs> as a general rule, when I cook at home, I start with about half a teaspoon of salt in a recipe that feeds four people. So if I'm making a soup for four, half a teaspoon of salt is where I start. And so each serving, each person of those four is getting about an eighth of a teaspoon. And that will go up or down depending on what's in the recipe. Fat and carbs, such as potatoes, for example, make food taste less salty. So then we tend to add even more salt. Now I'm going to do some mind bending math here if you follow on a podcast, kudos to you. You can also look up this same episode as a blog post. So if it helps to see the map on paper or on your screen, rather than listening to it, you can find this information on my blog. So think about eating three meals a day with three to four servings of various foods per meal. So I'm thinking about, you know, it, let, let's take the most standard American dinner, right? protein, carb, vegetables, right? I'm hoping the four servings means you're having one serving of protein, one serving of carbs, and at least two servings of vegetables. But if each one of those food servings uh, has some salt in it, here's the way to think about it. Three to four servings of food per meal is nine to 12 servings of food per day each of which contains about an eighth of a teaspoon of salt per food item, which is 1.125 to 1.5 teaspoons or 2,615 to 3,488 milligrams of sodium. So on an unrestricted diet, somebody eating nine to 12 servings of food not meals, but servings spread across three meals <laughs> is getting anywhere from 2,600 to 3,500 milligrams of sodium. Whoa, we're counting on you eating one portion of each food and only adding half a teaspoon of salt per four servings. And that's not counting snacks. So <laughs> like I said, think about taking a very small step. Try reducing how much salt you add while you're cooking in the kitchen or at the table, what you sprinkle on your food there. Just try reducing it a little bit. And if possible, don't try to go from 5,000 milligrams to 1,500 milligrams overnight. It won't work. Now, your MD or RD might tell you that's it. You have got to cut your salt out completely starting today. If that's you, listen to your care provider. However, if you have the luxury of making changes more gradually, if your MD has just said, hmm, we might want to think about lowering your sodium, 
why don't you try that and then come back and see me in three months? That's what I mean by having the luxury of time. If you have that luxury, cut down really slowly and give your palate time to adjust. It actually will happen. If you've ever given up sugar for any amount of time, when you go back to eating something that has added refined sugar in it, you will think it's incredibly sweet. Your palate has adjusted to eating less sugar. It'll happen the same way with salt. Just keep reducing how much salt you're putting in your food gradually. Just keep reducing it, keep reducing it, and your, your palate will adjust. If you go straight from eating 5,000 or God forbid 9,999 milligrams of sodium a day to 1,500, it's going to taste bland. Again, if you have the luxury of time, cut down gradually. Every little reduction is a step in the right direction. And as you reduce the salt that you're adding either in the kitchen or at the table, experiment with fresh and dried herbs and spices. The more flavor a dish has, the less salt it might need. I'm not a huge fan of, of uh, the salt substitutes. I don't find them at all satisfactory. Um, I did find that reducing the salt and adding more fresh herbs and uh, dried herbs and spices uh, really helps when you're on a mission to reduce the amount of salt you have in your diet. So that's the heart healthy diet. Consistent carb diet. The goal behind this restricted diet is to keep um, sort of spread carbohydrate consumption evenly across the course of a day. Uh, and this helps to keep blood sugar levels more level, <laughs> bad English, um, need autocorrect. Uh, but it'll keep your blood sugar level more even throughout the day. And it means that your insulin amounts will therefore be more predictable. Where I work, most patients get 75 to 80 grams of carbs per meal and 30 to 32 grams of carbs per snack. And you can figure out the carbs in processed foods from the nutrition facts label. If you are eating whole foods, uh, you can also look them up uh, in a really huge number of apps. Um, I really like nutrition data, but that's a bit wonky. It's, it's sort of like the RD's best friend. <laughs> uh, it's a little detailed for a lot of people, a little confusing. Um, try the simpler ones, something like fatsecret.com. And yeah, I love the labels and the search options on that site, and I really hate the name. But anyway, I'll, I'll put in links to these sites in the show notes. Now, I want you to think back to our episode on nutrient density. There we learned that broccoli has about six grams of carb per cup, while that squishy white bread has about 13 grams. So I'm just saying, you could eat two cups of broccoli or one slice of bread for the same amount of carbs, and you'd be getting a whole lot more nutrition from the broccoli. So yes, even vegetables have carbs and they come with a lot of added nutrients. So if you're trying to reduce your carbs, if you're trying to stick to a consistent carb diet, my biggest advice for you is focus on proteins, 
which means lean animal flesh, poultry, fish, legumes, and vegetables. Reduce the grain products, such as bread, pasta, cereals, and sweets, and eat fruit in moderation. Fruit has a lot of natural carbs in it, and that, that because it comes with a lot of nutrient density, whole fruit is much better for you than something like white bread or white pasta. So let's just bring this all together. If you think back to this episode, re-listen to this episode, you'll notice that my principles of healthy eating still apply to a restricted diet. Now remember, those, those principles of healthy eating were what we covered in January of 2023 on the podcast. You can go back and listen to those episodes again. Um, and I would say that those principles hold even more true for a restricted diet. If you've been put on a restricted diet by your MD or an RD, make sure you understand what that means in terms of the nutrients you need to limit. Some professionals will help you with recipes and meal plans and others will not. They'll just say, okay, you're on a consistent carb diet. Here's the goal. See ya. And that's where a health coach can really help. So let me know if you need to adhere to a specific restricted diet and where your challenges lie. You're welcome to come to my free office hours, which I hold on the second Tuesday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Eastern on Zoom. Or you can schedule a one-on-one -on -one to discuss this. I do offer something I call a health mapping session and you can register for that. And uh, we spend an hour and a half going over like, what's the challenge? How are we gonna solve it? And at least you get some answers. You get a plan that you can adhere to going forward. Now, I am also happy to coach you more long-term, but if you just need an idea of like, I don't know how to do this diet, just give me some ideas and I'll go home and try them make sure you sign up for one of these uh, health mapping sessions. All right, that's it. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Please note that any suggestions provided on this show are not meant to replace medical advice and the opinions of guests on this show are their own. Simply Health Coaching and Elizabeth A. Baker, LLC, neither endorse nor take responsibility for statements made by guests. Let me know your thoughts about the episode and share your biggest takeaways and aha moments. And let me know who else you want to hear from on the topic of being well while doing good. You can send a voice message directly through Anchor, as well as some of the other listening platforms. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast in your listening app so you never missed an episode. Love the podcast? You can support it with a donation directly from the podcast homepage in most listening apps. If you'd like to know more about my work, visit my website at simplyhealthcoaching.com. As always, the link is in the show notes.